The following podcast is part of the Gunna Geek Network. The opinions expressed may not represent other podcasts or affiliates of Gunna Geek. Check out more podcasts at GunnaGeek.com. And now get ready, because geekness starts in 3, 2, 1. The Gunna Geek Network presents the latest installment of All Things Good and Nerdy. With your hosts, Naki. Internet is really, really great for porn. <laughs> Anthony. No pants, all bacon and dick butts. And Chris. So I'm going to say this as nice as I can. You go to hell, sir. You go to hell and you die. <laughs> They're here each week to talk about the latest in nerd news. And sometimes they bring a special guest host along, too. As Magneto once said, Ha ha ha, welcome to die! I want to cut you all. I'm just going to cut you all. Meat candy. Woohoo! You have boobs! So kick your feet up and relax as you take in the latest crazy episode of All Things Good and Nerdy. So, a few weeks ago, I started this story about a kid named Tim Tom who uh, had come into the room. He's six years old. He's a real big pain in my ass. He's six years old. He, like, punches kids in the face. He uppercut a little girl. Dragon punch! And then he uh, decided to strip off all his clothes and run around naked. This was was a couple weeks ago. Tim Tom came back this week. And we thought that... Uh, his dad had talked him down because when he came into the room, he wasn't wound up. We're like, "All right, it's a, it's going to be an okay day. We can we can survive this this time with Tim Tom." And then the winds shifted or something because suddenly Tim Tom went crazy, and um, he proceeded. Courtesy Tim Tom, bitch. Yes. Well, it wasn't an uppercut right away. It didn't start that way. First he goes into, we have a we have a little, in the corner of the room, we have this, like, space maze where, like, they can climb all around, and there's, like, a trampoline at the top, and then if you go down to the bottom, there's a ball pit. I don't know how this kid did this, but we have, like, an emergency latch on the outside, so if, like, a kid, be, like, goes into the ball pit and then they can't pull themselves out, you know, we can go and get him. He managed to undo it from the inside. Again, not quite sure how he did this. Impressive. It was nice. quite impressive, actually. And proceeded to, like, because I was busy with a baby, because we had infants in the room at the same time, and then my partner was busy trying to keep another kid from punching another kid. Um, He proceeded to take all the balls out of the ball pit. (laughs) So there was, I don't know if you understand how little those balls in the ball pit are, but they're, they're about the size of your palm, of an adult palm. And all of a sudden, they're everywhere in the room. So, if you have 25 kids in the room, and suddenly there's balls everywhere, guess what goes flying everywhere? People? Yes. No. Try again. (laughs) Flying balls. (laughs) Balls. So, we managed to round up all the balls and get it back in the ball pit. Tim Tom is pulled out of the maze. Even though, like I said, I was impressed, but we can't have this going on. So, uh, did he uppercut anyone this time? He did, but I haven't gotten to that point yet. Ah, oh, nice. So then, Tim Tom sitting in, in his chair watching... Uh, what did we have on? It was The Lion King. Because he decided he wanted to act out when Scar kills Mufasa. Nice, nice. I don't know, again, 
this kid is sneaky as fuck. Because this kid <laughs> managed to get into the infant room. Now, it's not difficult to get into the infant room. It's very, it's very easy. But to get in there without me noticing is really difficult because it's not that big of a space. Like, it's really not that big. There's no other doors. And somehow this kid manages to get in without me interfering and decides he wants to pick up a child. <laughs> How old is this child? The infant? Yeah. Six months. Oh, dear Lord. Tim Tom? Six years. Oh, dear. That's not good. I have a bad feeling about this. As he starts Most six months old cannot take an upcut. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> As he no. starts to pick up this kid, I manage to swoop in and get the kid away from him and usher Tim Tom out of the room. But as he's being ushered out of the room, he picks up a toy off the side, turns around, and smacks me in the face with it. <laughs> now, if it was a stuffed animal, nothing. It wasn't. It was a uh, little plastic uh, jukebox with a handle. So he turns around and smacks me in the face with his jukebox. <laughs> 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 he goes he goes running out of the room. Did he then scream, don't fuck with Tim Tom, as he did it? Because that would have been awesome. <laughs> no, did not say that. <sighs> but he runs out of the room, out of the infant room. I get the infant room locked up so that he can't get back in there. He runs over to my partner and uppercuts her. Now, granted, he's only getting her in the stomach. But he's... <laughs> flying through this room trying to get out. <laughs> and he's throwing just to uppercut her in the stomach. My poor partner. She's in her 80s. She's like... <laughs> she's in her 80s and she gets a falcon punch in the stomach from a six-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> Needless awesome. to say, we had to call this little state of emergency in the playroom this week. Because Tim Tom came. <laughs> and so is this dad, like, completely aware of the fact that his child is just this angry, violent little bastard? Well, or does he just not care? They're very, uh, they don't speak English real well. Um, they immigrated here from China three years ago. And the, none of these people speak English well. Tim Tom actually speaks it pretty well for a six-year-old who just learned English. Um, so Tim Tom is Tim Kim. <laughs> yes. Like I said, I changed the name of the kids because, because yeah. uh, you know, privacy purposes and the fact that they're minors that I'm talking about. But Tim Tom, <laughs> Tim Tom, uh, their first language is Mandarin. I can speak enough where I can tell them, get your child out of here. Nice. Um, but yeah, we had to declare a state of emergency in the playroom because Tim Tom has returned. He still is not a permaban. I don't know how this keeps happening that we can't well, take him out. Was he actually like kill a child to be permanently banned? Like, what do you have to do? We never permanently. Did. Yeah, he almost did, and we we can't legally permanently ban him because it's just a service we offer. They don't have to take use of it, and they pay. You know, we we're a pretty well priced club at 135 a month for a single, not including family. You know, it's. Kind of pricey. So we can't technically, like, perma-ban him. We can just say, 
please stop bringing your son in, and they could be like, no, fuck you, and they bring in their son anyway. Oh, not your ass. Yeah. Is it a corporate gym, or is it a privately owned one? Um, we are a corporate gym. Okay. So, so, yeah, it's probably only you just put up that sign that says we refuse the right, uh, we have the right to refuse service to any customer. No Tim Toms. No Tim Toms. <laughs> no Tim Toms allowed. Jasmine um, in the chat room put Tim Tom, escape artist, baller. No, master baller, and he is the Mr. Miracle, the daycare of Jimpocalypse. He is Tim Tom Kim. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Kim Jong Il, but worse. Tim Tom Kim. As Mr. somebody Miracle, who has to take care of, care of Tim Tom, but not Kim Jong Il, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say that it's uh, uh, Tim Tom <laughs> wins this round because I have not been hit in the face with a plastic toy by Kim Jong. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. That's only because he hasn't had a chance yet. That's true. He has not had the chance to smack me in the face with a with a that little story. chubby North Korean dictating goofball would love to hit us all in the face with a jukebox. He probably would. Those bastards. Sorry, I got distracted. Those. I'm trying to make Naki's Facebook blow up. Stop that. <laughs> With Stop love that, for I'm the not bears. fighting right now. Lots and lots of love for the bears. You you started this war, Naki. So for I, those of you that are Naki's friend on Facebook, you can go look and see all of the uh, smack she started to run that I have now countered, and now other people are joining in on the bears' hate. On this <laughs> <laughs> Your Facebook is going to get destroyed. For, for those of you who don't know, Chris and I became friends, first because of Battlestar Galactica, but second so because... We all. <laughs> but second, because we are on rival sports teams. And even though I really quit watching football because I just don't have time to follow all that stuff, um, <laughs> it it's still just a thing that when the Packers and the Bears play, I have to start the smack talk. Like, Fuck that's just Bears. how it goes. But I'm still a Bears fan at heart, even though I don't follow the football anymore. Um, so I started the smack talk this morning. I... You know, I totally did. But then I was not prepared for the amount of hate that I am now getting. <laughs> you shouldn't give, you get, you encouraged me to unleash my bear hatred. So I have posted probably like 15, well, no, that's a little more, but probably like 10 pictures that express my dislike of the Chicago Bears. And I would like to thank, uh, uh, God, I can't remember his last name, Andy, the artist friend we've had on here before, for joining in on the Packers' hatred. I mean, I mean, Bears hatred. Sorry. Oh. Ca Andy Cappy Cap is yep. what I've been calling him because I can't, I can't pronounce it. Has the Super Bowl shuffle Cap made an appearance yet? No, there's been no Super Bowl shuffle, but lots of 1985 references. I have more pictures. I just I'm not on my phone right now because I'm trying to be a good spokesperson <laughs> for Tim <laughs> Tom. <laughs> yeah. I'll just let you bask in the greatness that is your Facebook wall at a later date, Naki. But while you're while you're looking that up, let me welcome all of our listeners and viewers to episode 126 of the All Things Good and Nerdy podcast, the one where the Chicago Bears still suck. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> you see, this is the problem. You can't poke the bear with the stick right before the show goes on. <laughs> You can poke the bears with a stick. They won't respond. They'll just roll over, or Jay Cutler will throw an interception. <laughs> the interceptions haven't been as bad this year. Yeah, give it time. He melts down against the Packers. Yeah. 
Yeah. Hey, hey Naki, do you know what the difference is between Marty McFly and Bears fans? No. <laughs> Eventually, Marty McFly stopped going back to 1985. <laughs> <laughs> so harsh. So harsh. I, I got a problem I'm having, too. Whenever I set my DVR to record The Biggest Loser, it records Bears games for some reason. Oh. <laughs> it just hurts. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck the bears. And nobody else cares on this show that we're talking about. I know. <laughs> I'm actually now I'm reading all of your uh, all of your pictures and these There's pictures. some good ones I they're actually they're actually really great. So I mean <laughs> The the masturbation one's my favorite joke. I'll share this one for everyone. We need a masturbation joke to liven up the show before we start talking about everything else. Hey, how do you get a Chicago Bear player to stop masturbating? Any ideas? Throw on the ball? Nah. Paint his peck or green and gold, and he'll never beat it. Uh, <laughs> but I'm sorry, didn't we beat the Packers last year? I don't know. Did you go to the playoffs last year? Shut your face hole. Now that I've completely one of them days. Now that I've completely demoralized Naki, like I said, welcome to episode 126, recorded <laughs> live on Sunday, September 28th, 2014. It's game day between the Chicago Bears and the Green Bay Packers. <coughs> and now it's I'm getting more comments game day on this between post. the Vinegar Strokes and the Nova Corps. And more importantly, I play Anthony in fantasy football today, and I need to smoke him because I'm in a two-game <coughs> streak, and it's starting to piss me off. And I'm on a one-game winning streak, which means I'm one and two, and I'm probably going to be on a one-game losing streak after See, this weekend. My problem I have is the last two weeks in our fantasy football league, I've had the second highest points in the league, and I've lost to the person that had the first highest points in the league. And it's yeah, that's what happened to me week one. Yeah, this has happened to me the last two weeks, and I need to win. <laughs> so those of you guys that play fantasy football probably feel my pain. Those of you that don't, it's basically D&D &D for football fans. Yeah. For those that don't know, it's the nerdiest possible jock thing ever. It's true. It really is. And I've got 11 comments on my Facebook wall right now. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and lucky for Chris, this happens to be fucking Denver's bye week, which is the only reason he's going to beat me this week. Because Manning is taking a week off. God damn it. I don't know. There's always Vinatieri. Vinatieri put up 16 points for me last week. That motherfucker can score better than some running backs. That's true, but you can't rely on a kicker. What are you, Taco? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for those that don't know that, I will, taco, I will taco you this week. Yeah, Ask for those that don't know, if you haven't watched the league, you don't have to love football, you don't have to like fantasy football at all, but it is literally the funniest show on television. I don't think there's anything that even comes close to the comedy on the league. I fucking love that show. I just rewatched the entire thing again. It's so fucking good. Mm -hmm. I lost my train of thought. I'm sorry. We were talking about the league, and then I went down a dark path. <laughs> yeah, we we, we should probably, you know, actually talk about some news at some point in time. So you guys want to roll into the news of the week or keep making fun of the Bears? News of the week. I'll go news so Naki won't cry. All right, so here's the news of the week. News team, assemble! Live from the ATGN studios on uh, the internet, it's the news of the week. That was the part where I thought you were going to say the Bears. 
<laughs> I'd have to lay off a little bit because uh, I'm running a lot of smack, and even though Naki doesn't watch football anymore, she's probably going <laughs> to come troll my ass if the Packers do end up losing. <laughs> so, uh, I'll do mine first because it's it's fairly quick and easy, though it has like big like you know ripple effects when it goes through the industry. Um, Marvel and the family of Jack Kirby have amicably resolved their legal disputes and are looking forward to advancing their shared goal of honoring Mr. Kirby's significant role in Marvel history. That was the the statement from I believe from Marvel's rep. So the the Jack Kirby estate and the Marvel Comics company have come to an agreement. Um, there's more than likely never going to be a chance we're ever going to find out what it is. Uh, they're saying in this article, basically the thing to look forward to is possibly a different way that creators are acknowledged for their works. Um, someone like you know Jack Kirby or Stan Lee, they created so many characters for companies like Marvel that if they actually own all those characters, their estates would be worth like billions of dollars. But Marvel owns those characters. And what they were really fighting for on this one was not that, I don't think so much that Jack created the characters, but that all the work he did for, well, I guess character creation and the actual individual artwork is should be owned by the Kirby estate. And from what I'm seeing, it's not going to happen. So anything that was done as the old work for hire in the 50s and 60s will end up staying, like, it'll be owned by Marvel or DC, whatever company the people were working for at the time. And it's funny, too, because it really was, back in the day, like, Jack Kirby and those guys, they weren't trying to own that artwork. It was work for hire. Like, to them, it was an 8-to-5 job. Like, it wasn't what it is today where, you know, some comic book artists become, like, fucking superstars, like the guys that started Image. Yeah. I mean, Jack Kirby and those guys, they were workmen. Like, they went to work, they busted out, you know, a 40, 60, 80-hour week, you know, put out two or three issues of a comic book a month because they drew so fucking fast. And, yeah, like, that was just, that was their job. They, you know, a lot of them looked at it like being a plumber. You went to work, you put in your 10 hours, you went home to your wife. And, you know, the fact that they happened to be drawing comics, it was no different to them. And so, yeah, it's one of those things where, like, I think it's going to have, you know, some far-reaching ripple effects for some of the older stuff and the fact that more than likely at this point no other estate will be able to try to file against a company because you're not going to get a bigger name than the Jack Kirby estate. I mean, he between him and Stan, they created, like, 85% of all the characters that are still at Marvel Comics. I mean, they those two guys did damn near everything. And so, yeah, it's, it's one of those things, like, contracts now are so different than they were back in the day. Excuse me. And, yeah, it's, it, the real funny thing is if you actually look back on it, I guess um, Marvel was kind of did some kind of dick moves. Um, I'm not sure when they did it. But I guess for a certain amount of time there was a, a thing on their checks that on the back of the check that said, by signing this check you're waiving the right to any artwork basically done for this project. So basically Marvel made it to where if they wanted to get paid, they were having to sign over the rights for whatever they were working on, even if it wasn't in their contract. So someone at Marvel was pretty smart back in the day and, you know, kind of fucked over some guys, which is why, sadly, we see a lot of creators now in their 70s, 80s, and 90s that are, you know, dealing with, you know, they created all these gigantic epic characters that are making these corporations billions of dollars, and they're destitute. Or and they're now they're, making you know, the movies money, too. Yeah, yeah, making the movie money on top of the comics, all the other, you know, I, uh, intellectual property rights stuff that, you know, just makes, you know, Marvel and DC and... You know, Time Warner, Disney, you know, make all this money off these characters that, you know, Marvel and DC have never created a character. Creators that work for them create the characters. But now it's a known thing. And, yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's going to, 
I think it's going to cause some changes to where we see how certain stuff is done. But at the same time, a lot of those companies have have you know kind of gone back and have been helpful with some of the the people that did create those characters, even though they legally weren't responsible to. And um, it's one of those things where like if because like for me it kind of bugs me the fact that like guys like Bill Mantlo are sitting in the hospital, you know, when Rocket Raccoon's up on the big screen, and you know, right. The uh, people, a lot of people flipped out about Marvel not taking care of him when his brother has publicly stated that Marvel has done a ton for that guy and really has stepped up and fucking helped that guy in a way that they weren't financially responsible to. Like, it wasn't, they didn't have to do anything for him. They didn't owe him anything legally, but still did it as a company to be good. Um, but if there's, if, like, that type of stuff bugs you, um, you can go look at, um, uh, it used to be called Actor. I think it's called the Hero Initiative now. Right. Yeah, that was a, Hero Initiative. Yeah. I liked it better when it was actor. The acronym sucked, but it was a commitment to our roots. But yeah, it's it's a charity thing that they do um, auctions every year, sell off artwork. Lots of amazing high named artists will do artwork for the Hero Initiative, and all the money that they raise goes to help take care of those guys that created all these characters that we know and love that are having troubles financially, having you know excess medical bills. They're getting elderly. They're having trouble taking care of you know their houses or whatever. And so it's it's a, it's a good website to go check out. It's a really good charity. I've done volunteer work for them. Um, they also t- help with lawsuits if you if um, yeah. for like people people have sued for like censorship and things like that. Um, they they help fund those <coughs> censorship lawsuits, especially if you're in an indie comics. Um, you know you you get away with a lot more. You know, than if you were in Marvel or DC, because Marvel and DC are very strict on their rules. Um, but yeah. indie, you can do whatever, and people have sued for that, and uh, they help take care of lawsuits, things like that. Um, Hero Initiative is great, so if you can if you can afford to give them a couple bucks, yeah. um, they're at all the comic book shows too. That's how I've I've worked with them. Um, is I've I've worked their booth for them. They do really cool stuff too. Like sometimes they do the the wristbands. Stan Lee did a big thing with them. They did Excelsior wristbands. I ordered five of these bastards. Oh, nice. Because all the money went to charity. So, yeah. They, they do weird stuff like that where it's something that people wouldn't think. It was like, oh, well, there's you know the cancer bracelets and the Live Strong bracelets, which I think most people have thrown those away. I still have my Excelsior bracelet, and I was wearing it when I got my picture with Stan Lee. Oh, that's badass. <laughs> yeah, check out the Hero Initiative. And then, yeah. We'll, there's we'll always some, good we'll stuff see with some the Hero repercussions. Yeah, we'll see some repercussions from this thing, but it's it's good that it's just, it's finally done. It's not going to the Supreme Court, you know. It's just it's going to be finished and over, and you know, they all that family can move on, and hopefully Marvel can move on and not have to you know spend all all this money on lawyers and shit. But yeah, you know, it seems kind of sad when you have corporations hiring lawyers to fight against people that used to work for them. Well, I mean, DC did the same thing with Siegel and Schuster for so long too. Exactly. And apparently, one of the lawyers involved was a guy who also represented. Uh, Jerry Siegel. That wouldn't surprise me. The Kirby's attorney was, yeah, Mark Toberoff. I'm I'm really surprised that they settled. I know a lot of people expected that to go to the Supreme Court and were then watching with bated breath to see what would happen. Well, yeah, in the article I just I noticed again, it said uh, Toberoff was actually pushing for the Kirby estate to have full copyright to everything he created, which, yeah, Marvel's never going to allow that because of so many characters. And so it's something that apparently could have gone to the Supreme Court. And I guess the Supreme Court requested that Marvel um, basically try to come to an understanding with the family before it pushed forward 
and this is and apparently this is what happened. So you know, we'll we'll never find out what the actual details are. I'm hoping that we'll find out. You know, probably the the Kirby estate will start getting a stipend, kind of like uh, Stan Lee does. He used to be paid a million dollars a year by Marvel as the chairman emeritus, and now it's five million a year since uh, Spider-Man one, because Spider-Man one made so much money. His lawyer took Marvel back to court. They're like, come on, like three hundred million dollars. Where's some money for Stan? So you know, he he gets his check every year. I'm pretty sure you know the Jack Kirby estate will probably see you know a little money every year probably from now on. But you know, it, it's well earned. Those guys worked their asses off for that company. They just you know they didn't own anything at the time and probably weren't really trying to. And this is a different day and age. They were just worried about the paycheck. Yeah. They never expected that Superman or Captain America or any of that stuff would be what it is today. I mean, it's kind of insane what it's turned into. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, you look at that original story of the, the ultimate version of that, I think, is Spider-Man. Yeah. That was the one where they were canceling a book, so there was no reason that anything good would come out of Amazing Fantasy 15 because the book was being canceled. And so Stan Lee and Ditko just took a shot on a character they thought would never work. And bam, like that's you know that's the figurehead of Marvel. Like there's nobody bigger than Spider-Man, and that character was a fluke. It was just something they did for fun. Stan Lee in his interviews said basically it was something to where the book was being canceled, and his wife told him, "Why don't you for once just write you know any character you'd want to write, you know, instead of doing something that they already had on the books?" And yeah, he wrote up a kid that sticks the walls. So I'm going to do my news next because it's about space, and who doesn't love space? There was a groundbreaking ceremony on Monday in the Texas coast where SpaceX is putting their uh, launch station. But here's the real cool thing. Elon Musk, who's the CEO of Tesla, SpaceX, a whole bunch of things. He's like a modern-day, real-world Tony Stark. Yeah, he's Tony Stark Jr. Yeah, he expects that they'll start construction in mid-2015, and they'll have at least one commercial flight per month by late 2016 from the Brownsville area launch facility. How badass is that? I thought you were saying lunch area, and I was like, hmm, lunch. Oh, believe me, <laughs> he's, he's going to put together a very nice lunch area, and then they're also going to do flights to space. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I just love the fact that we're starting to get privatized flights into space, things like that. NASA's starting to realize, hey, we can't rely on the Russians for everything. Let's use... SpaceX and was it Lockheed? I think they've partnered with for their commercial flights now. Well, doesn't Branson have his own thing as well? I'm sorry. Doesn't Branson, Richard Branson, have his own thing as well for Virgin? Yeah, he has his Virgin Space stuff as well. Or whatever the fuck it's called. <laughs> I love it. We haven't been in space really in forever. It seems like so. Let's Not make since it. Since we sent Stanley Kubrick to the moon to shoot that movie. Exactly. <laughs> I think people. Have I like my theory money. better. My conspiracy is that they actually sent Stanley Kubrick there, and he did the filming on location. And another cool thing that was announced at this also, politics aside, Texas Governor Rick Perry came out, who announced there was a $4.4 million investment from the Texas Emerging Technology Fund to create a research and technology commercialization partnership next to this launch facility. This partnership will be called Stargate. Holy shit. The Stargate, <laughs> according to the article, the Stargate facility will be a radio frequency technology park that will be used by the University of Texas Rio Grande Valley students, faculty, researchers for training, scientific research, and technology development. So combine this with SpaceX, you have your new space hub for the United States of America. I love it. I'm so excited. Really, 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 really need to get Richard Dean Anderson to do the ribbon cutting for that building. Oh, my God. <laughs> 
I am MacGyver, and I give you the Stargate. That would be fantastic. That'd be amazing. Geek heads would explode. I mean, seriously. <laughs> That's so cool. I can't believe they call it Stargate. That's just badass. I'm sure Stargate Pioneer is going to hear this and make, ooh, bad. He probably already knows what I'm talking about. Um, I'm just going to throw this out there. This is a completely random statement that has nothing to do with anything. Um, but our banner on our website right now for our, our chat room is Life is Short, Have an Affair, the AshleyMadison.com. So I'm, really? I'm, I'm just letting you all on. know. Yeah, it's different I, for whoever goes on there. So what have you been looking up based off your cookies for that to come in there, Naki? Well, this, yeah. is, this, this, is, this is not my laptop. This is boyfriend's laptop. Huh. Uh-oh. So, Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> we just wait for the chat to catch up, and we'll hear a response. <laughs> do, 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 do. This is exciting. This is some live emerging <laughs> news on the air, and we're going to stick with not really. Nobody cares. <laughs> we, we just got to It will be fun to listen to the argument later. <laughs> that is true. Uh, Drasm said it's Virgin Galactic. I knew I knew they had oh, a, a, right. a, a specific name for it. Yeah, Virgin Galactic. <laughs> that makes sense. You're right. Uh... Well, that that was my news. Space. It's important again in America, and I'm excited. Space. The final frontier. These are the voyages of Naki's news of the week. <laughs> <laughs> Now I'm worried. Apparently she's not listening to you anymore. She's sick of all the Bears jokes. And all she's the Bears not jokes. No, it's not my fault. She can't accept how bad the Chicago Bears suck. <laughs> uh, I really shouldn't talk. Packers aren't doing that great. Anyways, anyways. So our news of the week this week for me <laughs> is all something amazing. Uh, for those of you who are so inclined to be Apple product users, I don't even know how to respond. Um, because I have been an Android user since day one. Um, I, I have an iPod that was a gift to me, and it's like first-gen iTouch or whatever, and I have no intention on replacing it because it still works. Um, but apparently, if you were one of the cool kids who went out and bought an iPhone 6, you have noticed something. And it is if you put it in your pocket of your fancy skinny jeans I'm sure you paid $180 Did Naki's stream just blow up for anyone or was it just me? Uh, I was hearing robot voice from Naki Yeah, Naki went robot This is a new feature So until she gets back in what she's talking about is the Bendgate fiasco that's come up and, and by uh, cool kids, she means if you're a hipster douchebag and have to have the newest iPhone and put it in your skinny jeans, karma's going to get you. Karma going to get you, yo. So what they're talking about here is the iPhone 6 Plus, and I'll talk about this until Naki gets back. It's a giant phone, as you all well know, and it's made of aluminum. Aluminum is a fairly soft metal. So it's been found out by some people that, like with skinny jeans and things like that who carry their phone in their pocket, that the phone starts to bend a little bit. There were some uh, tech sites and things like that that then went online and showed videos 
of folks that were able to bend their iPhone 6 just by well, 6 plus rather just by using pressure things like that and yes I know I'm an Android user now so before all the hate comes towards me there's also comparison videos that I think Extreme Tech did where they tried to bend the um, HTC One M8 a Lumia 920 a Moto X, the new one, and another Android phone of some kind, and they were not able to successfully bend them. Oh, nice. So they actually proved that all the other Android phones are made with better equipment than the new well, Apple Well, it, it depends on the construction. There's been some older ones, I guess, that have had bending problems. If you do an all-metal phone that's aluminum, there's a chance it's going to bend. And in all fairness, you can't yeah. really bend the iPhone 6 because it's a smaller piece of aluminum along the back, so there's less surface area to bend. You can pit the back, you can put little dings in the back by trying to bend it, but it wouldn't bend. I, honestly, it's being overblown a little bit, and part of the reason that overblown-ness is occurring is because Apple is so swift to try and drop the hammer on that. It's the same reason, I don't know if you guys noticed it, there's a big brouhaha from people that are annoyed for no good reason that the lens on the back of the iPhone is uh, up off the back of the case a little bit, just like you see in most Android phones and stuff like that. So, people wouldn't have complained that much, but if you go and look at all the literature that came out when the iPhone 6 came out, Apple photoshopped the lens of the phone to make it look like it was flush to the case. Oh, uh, see, now that's douchebaggery. That's false advertising. <laughs> I don't know. You know, what I th you know what I find the most annoying about this? The no, word that? gate. Everything is not a fucking gate. Salute gate, fucking iPhone gate, Ben gate. Fucking shut the fuck up. It's just, it's a story, okay? It's not a fucking gate. Everything is not a fucking water gate. People are just blowing shit out of proportion way too early and way too easy. It's ridiculous. Oh, it's, a, it's a take on Watergate, the whole scandal and things like that. They're just trying to say mm -hmm. it's scandalous. I don't really think it's that scandalous. Apple has said, well, we've only had nine of these happen, which isn't true, I don't think. They might have had nine reported, but if you can go and look, and there's plenty of videos on YouTube of people bending their phones. I don't think they're all fake. I don't think the Extreme Tech article is fake or any of that. I think anybody doing it on video for a video on YouTube to get hits is a fucking moron as well. Well, that's true. <laughs> and to be fair, Apple said if you bench your phone, take it to the Apple Store. Presumably they'll replace it, and it's also smart from Apple's standpoint because, hey, they don't have to tell anyone if you bring a bent phone back to their store. It's not like yeah. you take it to Best Buy, and Best Buy has to send it back, and then people bitch. It is what it is, guys. There's always going to be stuff that doesn't go right in new technology. This is both funny and a little unsettling that phones are bending. Yeah, The upside is all the fun commercials and memes going back and forth between Samsung and Apple. I like the new one that says, what, a bend to your master? Oh, it's yeah. It's got an iPhone 6 bent, like, kneeling in front of a Samsung Galaxy 4. <laughs> well, and I think even the, uh, even uh, vendors and stuff like that are starting to uh, put out ads that capitalize on that, because what is it? I think KitKat put one out that showed them bending a KitKat bar under Ben Gate and it's set at 45 degrees it snaps. Nice. <laughs> Stuff like that. So <laughs> it's, it is what it is. If your if your excuse me, if your phone bends, take it back to Apple, get it replaced. Maybe you consider not wearing skinny jeans. And to be fair, I think a lot of this is bending because people don't also have cases on them. So if you have a case, it's fairly rigid also that'll probably prevent the bend. Yeah. If you've got an otter box, I'm pretty sure no matter how hot your aluminum phone gets, you're not going to be able to bend it. Yeah, I and mean, yeah, I, I stick to my rule. Skinny jeans are for fucking little girls and rock stars. If you don't fit in either of those two categories, go back to shopping in the men's section of the store and quit wearing skinny jeans. You look like a jackass. 
<laughs> Fair enough. And I, I did forget to show, when I had the screenshot pulled up, I'll pull it up again real quick. You can see it bends like right around your volume buttons, basically, because that's a weaker joint along the side because there's metal taken out of there. So Of course, yeah, it'd be, the, it'd be the weakest part of the phone. Yep. It's where there's holes cut out of the body casing. So if your phone bends, number one, ha-ha. Number two, just take it to Apple. They'll take <laughs> care of it. You, whether you like Apple or not, you have to admit they have pretty damn good customer service. I don't know if I've ever had to deal with their customer service. All I have is my my little uh, my little iPod Nano, but this little bastard went from the four gig up to the sixteen when they did the touchscreen. Right. This little fucking thing spectacular. It has a radio with a DVR on it. You can yeah, pause the damn radio. It kills the battery pretty quick, but yeah, you can literally pause live radio on this thing, and it's only like a what a hundred dollar you know MP3 player. Yeah, it's 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 performed spectacularly. I love that little thing. Draftsman brings up, he says, we need a picture of Bender from Futurama. <laughs> nice. Point. I'm sure that meme is already out there with Bender bending an iPhone. More than likely. If it's not, it'll be by today. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think we killed Naki's internet, folks, so you might be stuck with just uh -oh. Anthony and I for the rest of the show, which is good because I can just get all my Chicago Bears hate out and Naki can't do anything about it. There you go. Just vent it out, man. Vent it out. <laughs> And do all my screaming for the week, but just about based on the fact that the Broncos have a week off, and so I can't really cheer for anybody. Yeah, that, that's a problem. I'm just going to leave this picture up for the rest of the show, I think. Uh-oh, what do we got? There we go. That's my picture. I'm going to leave that up <laughs> as I talk about things for the rest of the show. <laughs> and for those that are listening later... It's the world's most interesting man, and the meme says, I don't always watch teams that suck, but when I do, it's the Chicago Bears. It's the Chicago Bears. <laughs> That's so, harsh. While Naki's scrambling to get back on to refute my Bears hatred, let's talk about a couple other things that have popped up in the news. And the problem is, I don't have a ton of things that I caught, and two of them are Arrow news. So I'm just going to go into Arrow first. Do they it. Have, they've done it's maybe a minor spoiler for anyone that would be worried about it, but we do know there's a crossover this upcoming season between The Flash and Arrow again. Well, um, they did announce the title for that, and I had a complete brain fart and forgot the title. Oh, okay. So the crossover is going to be called The Brave and the Bold, the Bold. between Arrow and Flash. That's badass. Yeah, because they, they already showed a picture of um, them standing together in full costume while they were filming one day. Somebody sat it up on Facebook, I think. Yes. This will be great for uh, the Starling Tribune's Arrow checklist for that week because they just totally ripped off a Batman title for that. Because that was the well, comic, Batman, Brave and the Bold, that was the team-ups. But, it, yeah, it wasn't just Batman, though. I thought Brave and the Bold for DC, like the classic 70s stuff, I thought it was just any random two characters. Well, there was a, there was a cartoon recently. It was Batman, Brave and the Bold. Maybe that's oh, what yeah, I mean. the, the cartoon, yeah, it was about. But I think the, the actual comic from DC back in the day was they just used it as... It was their team-up book. It was like Marvel, because Marvel used to actually have Marvel team-up, and I think DC's Brave and the Bull was basically like the same type of thing, where it was just two random characters together. That could be. And then in 1999 and 2000, there was a six-part miniseries called The Flash and Green Lantern, The Brave and the Bold, that Mark Wade did. So it seems like it's a more generic thing, but it's most commonly thought of as Batman recently because of that. Yeah. Album. Well, yeah, the, the cartoon is definitely in people's memory because it was so good. I'm like still halfway through watching it. 
I haven't watched much of it. And they also, some more Arrow news, this is kind of minor. Mark Guggenheim, who's the executive producer, has said that Oliver's getting new toys in Season 3. He'll get some fancy new arrows. Nice. As long as there's not a boxing glove. If there's a boxing glove, well, dude, I might have to fucking quit the show. If, if you read... Have you read any of the Arrow 2.5 comic? No, I haven't read any of the past the New 52 he, stuff. He has an arrow in there that he shoots that is just very blunt and has like a, a round, uh, blunt metal object on it that then Joe thinks it's called the boxing glove arrow by someone. And he's like, no, no, it's not. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like, a, you know, a big metal slug that would knock somebody unconscious and not kill them, that's fine. But if it actually has a green boxing glove on it, I'm done. I'm I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I think I might like it. You probably would. Uh, I probably would. Caught up on Arrow so that you can join in the frivolity. I would. I would love to get caught up on Arrow if someone would put it on streaming. Which someone are we bitching about this time? That would be Netflix. Netflix. It's probably coming back pretty soon now that they're getting their DVD Blu-ray sales in. You know, since we have Hulu Plus, which you know still makes us watch commercials, even though that we pay for it, uh, it would be nice if they didn't have just the last three episodes on there. That'd be great. Well, I think that's because you can watch those just on regular Hulu. Yeah. I'm, I'm not talking about my means and how I get Hulu Plus. Um, <laughs> I'm just saying. Even if you're paying for it, you still have to watch commercials, so fuck that shit. <laughs> yeah. So remind me, Anthony, after the show is on, I'll show you the two pages I'm talking about in Comixology, the boxing glove arrow, because I can't show that on the air. Uh, Comixology might have concerns. Fair enough. <laughs> it's pretty sweet. I only had one other news item, really. Uh, I saw a little one. Uh, they've actually said that uh, X-Men um, Apocalypse will be the end of a trilogy. So they're going to make it to where it's a literally first class, Days of Future Past, and Apocalypse. So that that one could end up being a damn, damn good movie. Just, I mean, oh, If anybody hasn't seen Days of Future Past, what one, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> Two, the end credit sequence was amazing. Fucking people chanting En Sabanur. Fucking, oh. Yeah, that was badass. Yeah, Anthony it was awesome. Fans. Yeah, I I had trouble walking out of the theater. Just so that's when you that's why you get the giant bucket of popcorn. That's just, right, and you empty it by the end of the movie so you can fill it up again. I thought we were gonna talk about cutting a hole in it. Never mind. <laughs> that's a box. And they said uh, Brian Singer will be back to direct. Apparently, uh, all the the legal trouble, bullshit, whatever stories that kid was making up have been dealt with. So apparently, Singer's coming back, and we all know if you want a good X Men movie. You really do need to have Brian Singer attached to it. If that's if there's one thing that's been proven by the Fox films, it's that you're much more likely to get a good X Men movie. That's not true. Brian Matthew K. Vaughn's first class was badass. Okay, yeah, but that was also that that was the fucking the new take on the shit. He completely redid things. But having Brian Singer involved, you you, you it's almost a guarantee of a damn fine X Men film. Who's doing Deadpool? Fox. So is Brian Singer involved with that? I doubt it. I don't think so. So far, they're going to do it, and nothing else has been confirmed. Because they said they haven't even confirmed the rating yet that they're going for. Like they, I don't think they've even finished the script. No confirmation. 
And yeah, and they, and they got. Uh, I actually saw an article. They literally, it was the actual guy who's either writing or directing it, said flat out, "We haven't determined yet what the rating of the movie is going to be." So they might actually do an R-rated cut, and then cut it down to PG-13 for the theaters, and then release an R-rated director's cut. Which you know, if we can't get an R-rated one in the theaters, that would be the best way to go. You know, yeah. Do do an R-rated director's cut, soften it up a little bit to get past the MPAA's bullshit rules to where you can get a PG-13 in the theaters because that I mean it guarantees you more money. That's the worst thing about you know their stupid ass rating system is that if you make something PG-13, it makes twice the money of an R-rated film guaranteed. I like R-rated movies. Mm-hmm. I miss R-rated movies back when they used to be, you know, really good and violent and full of Yeah, R, because I'm a pirate. Damn I was right. waiting for that. Arr. Restricted. Arr. So I only got one story left, and it, like I said, it's been a slow news week and or just real life's gotten in the way of my seeing all the stuff that's going on. But this is an article I saw on MoviePilot.com. It was their WTF of the day. Did you guys know that Black Widow was supposed to get her own movie before Iron Man, guys? <laughs> I would have watched the shit out of that. So what this article is saying, basically, is back in 2004, a Black Widow movie was set to go back into production. It was before Iron Man was even a glimmer in their eye. And any guesses as to why that might not have happened? Because no one likes the ladies? Because Scarlett Johansson wasn't in leather suit shape yet? <laughs> okay, that's a good point. <laughs> uh, basically, why this was coming about is around the same time, if you think back then, you had the Tomb Raider films, Kill Bill, Blood Rain, Ultraviolet, Aeon Flux. They're all kind of um, bigger movies with some leading ladies in that role, so Marvel yeah. was about to jump on that bandwagon. The whole reason they didn't is because they started to see the box office taper off on those and figured that the market was pretty much saturated, so they put it on the back shelf. They didn't think about the fact that Uwe Boll did Blood Rain, so that means it's automatically fucking terrible. No shit. It was a ter- pretty terrible movie. I watched 10 minutes. You actually watched an Uwe Boll film by your so own what? choice? I watched Wasn't 10 minutes of it. Wasn't a pretty terrible three movies? <laughs> yeah, I, I watched one. 10 minutes of it, uh, of the first one. I didn't realize there was three. Um, because I, I, it was... Um, why did I watch it? I think because it was the, there. The first Probably ones we're watching because you get to see the Terminator naked. Like, it's totally worth it just for that. I think it's just because it was there. I don't think there was any reason behind it. I was just like, oh, Blood Rain, that was kind of an interesting video game. Why? <laughs> so it was predominantly killed off, like I said, because they figured the audiences were burnt out on female action films. But that being said, there's a site called Spinoff Online that does have the breakdown of the plot. And it's about three paragraphs long. I can read it, if you guys wish. Go for it. So, uh, it was the scriptwriter, whose first name I missed in the article somewhere, but his name was Hater, has said his script would have held pretty close to Black Widow's comic book origins, with young orphan Natasha being adopted by Ivan Petrovich, who works in a secret Soviet training facility known as the Red Room. Enrolled by Ivan's boss, Sergei, in a program to train girls as super soldiers, Natasha becomes a prized pupil and even undergoes a risky medical procedure that, quote, recreates the reflex response of certain certain insect joints, end quote, essentially giving her superpowers. She rebels against her adopted father for allowing the procedure to happen and forms a relationship with Alexi, a trainee in another program. 
With the collapse of the Soviet Union, Sergei goes rogue rather than shut down the program and has Alexei kill the other trainees, including Natasha's best friend, Natalia, and seemingly Ivan. Natasha steals the experimental widow suit and escapes the United States. Once there, she becomes a gardener, partnering with a man named Freddy and sharing an apartment with a roommate named Stevie Hunter. Her past comes back to haunt her, however, as Alexei shows up to hunt her down. Stevie is killed. Freddy, as it turns out, is an undercover CIA operative who puts Natasha in contact with another agent named Anton, who informs her there's a $10 million bounty on her head. In that time Natasha has been living in the United States, Sergei has become a warlord in Russia and has restarted the training program, training little girls to become super soldiers. But he needs to capture Natasha so he can learn how to replicate the procedure that gave her her powers. Ultimately, Natasha returns to the Red Room to take care of all of her loose ends. Along the way, people are killed. People are revealed to not have actually died, and people betray Natasha. She gets her revenge in the end and uses her superpowers and her advanced widow suit to take out all the bad guys and nuke the Red Room after first escaping with the young trainees. It ends with Natasha agreeing to work for the CIA, so the film sets up for sequels. It sounds kind of like a, a mix of Born Identity, they're saying in here, Salt, and I can't remember the name of the other movie that I'm thinking of. Uh, Point of No Return. I think that's the movie I'm thinking uh, of. Yeah, the Bridget Fonda one. The Bridget Fonda one. It sounds very much like it's inspired by that because there's a lot of a point of no return homages in there, to put it nicely, yeah. I guess. It could have been interesting or it could have been ridiculous based off that description. I don't think there's middle ground. Yeah, no, you got to be honest. I don't think it would have been as good as Iron Man 1. No, I mean, this was before Iron Man 1 was even talked about. This is in 04, and Iron Man 1 wasn't until, what, 08? <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. Yeah, if that would have been, like, their first start to try to build up the Avengers, I, just, I don't think it would have worked as well. I don't even think it was that, because there's no Marvel <laughs> Studios then, either. Marvel Studios yeah, didn't come around until Iron Man. This it would have just, just been another one-off. Eh, it's probably better that they didn't do it, then. It was going to be a Lionsgate film. Okay, here's why da David Hayter, who was the... Uh, the writer of this. The name sounded familiar because he did the first two X-Men scripts. So he nice. did X1 and X2. And this was supposed to be his directorial debut with Lionsgate. Sorry I buried the lead there a little bit. And I didn't even realize pre-production was underway. We were pretty close to this movie and didn't realize it. I'm glad it didn't happen. Hopefully yeah, that's I... not the movie that they're planning on for her for her Black Widow movie. I don't think it's the same movie they're planning on for a Black Widow movie right now. God, I hope not. Nah, we'll probably get, like, flashback words and stuff in a movie that's taking place in the current continuity of the downfall of S.H.I.E.L.D. and all that. Or something that deals with how she and Hawkeye met. There'll be flashbacks to uh, her Budapest. being... Yeah, Budapest. Budapest and how she was a spy that Hawkeye redeemed or whatever, or Hawkeye was able to save or something like that. There's got to be yeah, references instead of to killing that. her. Which would be cool to see her actually get to play the Black Widow as the bad guy. You know, it might be cool to see Hawkeye not be a bitch on screen. That's easy. Just go watch the Bourne movie he did. Yeah, that's true. Or um, SWAT. He's great in SWAT. That's also true. But that is oh, all I had for right news now. this week. We missed out on a Black Widow film, but I think that might be a good <laughs> thing in hindsight. I found two more little things real quick. I was oh, talking about cool DVD extras. X-Men Days of Future Past is coming out with a Rogue cut. Ooh. So when the DVD and Blu-rays come out October 14th, apparently there's going to be a version of the film in there that has all the Anna Paquin sequences added back in because she was completely fucking cut from the film, apparently, you know, to, to lower the time of it. 
And uh, Guardians of the Galaxy soundtrack has been certified gold. It nice. has sold 500,000 copies of a bunch of old songs from the 60s. <laughs> I love it. How fucking awesome is that? I guess I do have one other little news point then. Uh, 24 Live Another Day comes out on DVD slash Blu-ray on Tuesday. They announced there's going to be a nine-minute short in there that's all about Tony Almeida. So if you're a 24 fan, you might want to check that out. Nice. I haven't watched 24 in a while. I used to be really addicted to that show, but this last mini can't miss an episode. Yeah, this last mini-season was actually pretty good. It felt like old-school 24. Plus it had uh, Yvonne Strahovski in it. and <laughs> Yvonne Strahovski. Sarah Walker's badass. Hell yeah. Yeah. She was awesome on Dexter too. I haven't seen her on Dexter. I didn't yet. I didn't yeah. If you have if you're yeah. watching Dexter, I won't say anything. I heard you should stop after like season three. Uh the best season was the John Lithgow season, and if you don't watch anything after that, you're you're fine. But that means you miss Edward James almost then. That's true. His season was actually pretty good. Um, the season directly after uh, John Lithgow was meh, and then after Ed- yeah, and then after Edward James almost just kind of was meh, and then they really could have left it where they did until they gave us that last five minutes. Um, I'm really that's thing. okay. You wanted the yeah. first ending, not the second ending. Yes, the first <laughs> ending was great, and then. That giant fart in the mouth, it was terrible. <laughs> uh, I like the way it ended, because the whole show was leading you up to either ending A or B, and the writers did ending C, which I like the fact that, one, they actually wrote a fucking ending to the show. It's not some fucking fade to black bullshit, or they were all in purgatory bullshit. It was an actual fucking ending, and it wasn't the one you expected. I liked it for those specific reasons. I'm a lumberjack. It could have just been dead. There's no, there's no need. I feel like this. Anyway. Knock, are you, are you full of rage <laughs> right now? Just full of angry robot voice. I am robot Knocky. <laughs> robot Knocky. <laughs> Oh, hey, the signal's cutting out again, Naki. Sorry. It's okay. She just realized how much the bears suck, and it, the internet's trying to save her from taking that abuse. Ouch! 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 So let's just start to wrap things up in our traditional way. We'll just share what we've been getting into, what we are getting into, things like that. And I'll start first. I'm just now getting caught up on the new fall TV season. I finally watched Blacklist. Blacklist this week, the first episode, really good. Watched Agents of Shield. I like where they're going, but it's a slow episode. I haven't watched Gotham yet because I suck. Uh, finished season two rewatch of Arrow because it's awesome. Let's see what else. I also watched Scorpion, which I wasn't sure if I was gonna like or not. I, it's got me in there for another couple episodes, I think. I, I don't know if I'm gonna stay on it long term, but it's the one that's about the super geniuses that basically have to partner together to save people in different kinds of missions and things like that. I'm a little intrigued, but I don't know if I'm intrigued long run. I'll give it a couple more, like I said. I didn't see it, but I read an article about the pilot being one of the dumbest premises ever for how yeah, they save the planes. Like, it was just, like, the most idiotic thing tech-wise it's... that anybody's ever done on a TV show. Yeah, do you want do you want me to spoil it for you? 
I don't think you can spoil a show that might be that bad. Yeah, so what they're doing is the air traffic control software gets jacked up across uh, the web and all of that, or across all the airports and stuff, so they have to try and get an old version of that software to load into the LAX computer. Well, the backup off-site gets corrupted, so what they end up figuring out is the planes that were on these long journeys have old versions of the software. How do we get the data off of there? Well, they can't use the Wi-Fi off the planes because that's all jacked up. So what they end up doing at first, like, do a flyby of this tower. We need you to be within six feet of it, and we'll latch onto your Wi-Fi signal real quick and pull it. Well, that doesn't work. So then what they do is they get a fucking Ferrari and take the roof off of it and tell the plane, we need you to come within feet of this Ferrari as we're driving down the runway and drop a piece of Cat5 cable out the bottom of the plane so we can plug our computer into it to download this software. Because, of course, the software exists nowhere else in the world except yeah, on these... Exactly. These so, literally what happens is this plane is, like, five feet off the ground. Well, a little more than five feet, but it's up over the ground. You've got a Ferrari going 200 miles an hour underneath of it, and they're dangling Cat5 cable out while this character plugs into a laptop to download it. And as the download's finishing up, there's not much runway, so the plane starts to take off, and the laptop and her start to get pulled out of the car. And you're like, <laughs> the Cat5 cable would snap. <laughs> Yeah, that sounds like some fucking sci-fi movie bullshit right there. That's like plane versus volcano. Here's the thing. It's it's Roberto Orcai and Alex Kurtzman. So it, it is what it's going to be. It's weird. It's over the top. It's the typical CBS crime drama slash weird mystery investigation type thing that they specialize in. It, it's I'm, nothing I'm, special. I'm betting if you have a room with five tech geniuses, they could rewrite the code probably faster than they could steal a Ferrari. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it's not terrible. It's not great either. But the premise, it, pilots are not always going to be the greatest thing out there. Pilots are enough to give you an idea where they're going. So yeah. it was enough for me to go, okay, I will give this one or two more episodes, and then I'll probably end up dropping it. I'm not, like I said, I'm never making that same mistake I did with the Cape, where I thought it would get better and watched it all but one episode and still hate myself for it. I love the Cape. I don't care what anybody says. That show was fun. So Naki's asking in our chat room what the hell is wrong with her interwebs. I'm telling her it knows the bears suck. <laughs> That's so awful. He just Preventing. keeps her. He's just kicking her while she's down, kids. It's it's just mean. It's just cruel. <laughs> yeah, also, the big thing I've done, I am hugely addicted to Disney Infinity, guys. It, it's bad news. Uh, like I said last week, I traded in an old iPhone 4S for store credit, and then I dropped a little extra cash, and I bought a bunch of Disney Infinity stuff, and if I can get my Facebook to load, I'll share the picture. Because so I'm addicted. And these things, it's really fun. I've only played a few games right now, but I've been having a blast with it. So I've got it up on screen. Anyone who's watching live right now can see that I've got Captain America, Gamora, Nick Fury, Star-Lord, Groot, Rocket, Thor, Nova, Spider-Man, Iron Man, Black Widow, and then Jack Skellington because the girlfriend requested it. And it's been fun just playing user-created levels and dropping these characters in. And playing Rocket Raccoon on the Avengers level, because I go around blowing things up with giant guns. I do like at least that they got Nova's helmet correct. Yes. Oh, and the cool thing, they brought a bunch of different voice actors from the cartoons and stuff in there. The voice of uh, Rocket Raccoon is Nolan North, who was the voice of Deadpool in the games and stuff like that. So Deadpool's really animated, nice. but probably the coolest thing ever is that Nick Fury is voiced by Samuel L. Jackson in Disney Infinity. Nice. So I've been having a lot of fun with that. The rest of them is pretty much just uh, 
there are different uh, cartoon voice actors and stuff. It was really weirding me out because um, the voice of Iron Man is Adrian Pazdar, who is General, excuse me, Colonel Talbot on uh, Talbot. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So it was throwing me off. Minor spoiler, he was on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on Tuesday night, and I played Disney Infinity right after that. I'm like, what's <laughs> Talbot doing in the Iron Man? Oh, wait, that's right. He's Iron Man in the nice. cartoons. I didn't know he voiced Iron Man in the cartoons. Yeah, in all the Avengers cartoons and stuff right now, Adrian Pazdar is the voice of Iron Man. Nice. And if people don't know him from that, he was also the flying senator on Heroes. He was Nathan Peter's older brother. Yep. But yeah, I liked him on that show, too. He had made a whole lot of mistakes in his life, but he was a fun character. Sure. But that's pretty much what I'm getting into. How about yourself, Anthony? Another fun, fun week of work. Um, last night had a fucking blast. My buddy Colin came over. We watched the fights. Probably the best fight card this year. Maybe the best fight card of the last two years. Um, nice. Kat Zingano fucking destroyed her opponent after a really tough first round, which gets her now the shot at um, Ronda Rousey's belt, which is awesome because Kat Zingano was the number one contender and was supposed to be on the first female season ever of the next Ultimate Fighter, and got injured, and so even though she was the number one contender, she lost her shot at the belt, and so on the, you know, coming back from an injury, it's always questionable whether or not a fighter is going to be who they were before, and she was gone for, God, like 18 months, which is a long, long time to develop ring rust, and during the first round, the chick she was fighting, Nunez, like, they were just brawling, beating the hell out of each other, amazing back-and-forth fight, but then the start of the second round, um... Kat Zingano is really good at getting people into a clinch and then kneeing their face until they give up. And that's a lot of what she did last night. It was spectacular. Um, Conor McGregor had a great fight. Um, Demetrius Johnson, the champ, retained his belt again. Spectacular the spectacular ass whooping. He's one of those guys that he's he's one of the tiny, tiny dudes. He's like one twenty five pounds or something, like one of the little ones. But he basically, every time he gets in the ring, he seems better than he was last time. He's a champion that just keeps improving and keeps talking about how he needs to step up his game, even though nobody's come close to finishing him. It's spectacular watching that little dude fight. And then one of my favorite fighters, Cowboy Cerrone, um, had another fight last night, and it was his fourth fight of 2014, and it ended up being his fifth win in a row. The dude is quite literally one of those fighters that says anytime, anywhere, any place, but actually fucking means it. Every That's time cool. Dana White and the Partidas have called him, Cowboy has fucking stepped up and fought whoever they put in front of him. And he's just a, he's a spectacular fighter. He uh, was an old school Muay Thai fighter, so like he has the he wears like the split shorts and does just some vicious kicks. And uh, Eddie Alvarez was his opponent last night. It was his uh, UFC debut. Uh, Alvarez was um. I can't remember if it was Bellator or Strikeforce, but one of their great fighters who's, you know, been been in a lot of great fights and done some really good, you know, really good uh, some fights over the years. And it was supposed to be, you know, just a spectacular brawl between the two of them. And his hand speed was crazy. He got uh, Cerrone a couple of times, but it just ended up being that basically Eddie Alvarez couldn't take uh, Donald Cerrone's leg kicks. He ended up kicking the guy in his front thigh so many times that eventually Eddie Alvarez actually fell down. Like, he couldn't oh, stand up on his own fucking leg. It was spectacular. And then we were all kind of waiting, waiting for a cowboy to just, like, basically step back and fucking just say, hey, stand up. Because if you can't stand up, the fight's over. Instead, fucking cowboy dives on him and tries to finish the fight on the ground. So it, it was it was great. It was a spectacular fight. Another great Donald Cerrone win. 
Um, he sadly didn't win Fight of the Night or any of the bonuses, which is crazy because I think he has the most bonuses ever of a UFC fighter. He's like 10 out of 14. Like The amount of bonus money that Dana's paid this guy is spectacular because he always shows up. He always throws bombs. He's never been in a boring fight. And then um, the one downside last night was uh, Tim Kennedy versus Yo Romero. At the end of the second round, Tim Kennedy basically had knocked Romero out, and the bell saved his ass. Going into the corner, there was a huge problem because apparently the UFC guy ended up putting too much Vaseline on Romero's face. They fucking call for the start of the round. Romero's still sitting there on a stool, catching his breath. His guys leave and leave him sitting there on the stool. Nobody takes the stool. Nobody wipes the shit off his face. So they get the fucking reps back in, all this back and forth, blah, blah, blah. Basically, he ends up getting an extra 30 seconds on the stool. By the time he stands up and they actually start the round... He goes in and then knocks out Tim Kennedy. Oh, shit. And so a lot of people are pissed because there's an actual rule in the like the guidebook for, I'm not sure if it's the Nevada State Commission or whatever, but Tim Kennedy's Twitter account, I don't know if it's actually Tim Kennedy or representative, but one of them up the fucking actual ruling that says, if the start of the round bell rings and the answer does not answer that bell and get off their stool, the fight is forfeit. And fucking Yo Romero got an extra 28 or 29 seconds, which they timed, and... Dana White's saying the problem is it's not that his coaches or anything were cheating, it's because of the UFC guy actually put too much Vaseline on his face and they had to wipe it off. So at that point, whose fault is it? Still, he got extra time to sit and recover, and because of that, ended up winning the fight. Which I think it should be declared no contest, because fucking Tim Kennedy won that fight. The only reason Romero didn't get fucking counted out for a TKO is because the bell rang. So yeah, it was it was one of those ones where you, just, you see him going to the corners and it's like, if he gets screwed over at this point, it's going to be awful, and then, bam, instantly he gets fucking screwed over. Because he's sitting there, like, waiting for the round to start. The ref's in between the two of them, and Tim Kennedy's like, coming forward, like, come on, ref, let's fucking go. I'm ready to fight. My guys are out of the ring. Let's fucking go. And the whole time he's doing that, Yul Romero's sitting on the stool fucking catching his breath and getting caught up. So it, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with it, what the end result's going to be. But it was, yeah, the, probably the best fight card I've seen at least in a year. It was spectacular. Um, and then Mad Comics again on Payday, Guardians of the Galaxy 19. The story still continues of what happened to fucking Nova, so I have to buy issue 20 now. So what was supposed <laughs> to be one issue 18? I'm now buying at least three issues in a row. God damn you, Bendis, because I have to keep buying that until I find out what happens to the old Nova. New Nova's some good shit. Uh, Sam Alexander has started tracking down his father and is trying to figure out what happened to him. So that's been uh, really good to see him actually going out in space and kind of whooping some ass. Uh, Peter David's X-Factor is still the best X-Book out there. Um, Quicksilver is kind of owning up to all the bullshit he's pulled in the last couple of years. And in this book, he uh, gets to do a little back-and-forth dialogue with his daughter. And as always, Peter David just writes the hell out of it. Uh, Miles Morales, Ultimate Spider-Man. Uh, at a fight at Peter Parker's old house, the Green Goblin and what appears to be Peter Parker both showed up. And Miles and mm -hmm. supposed pseudo-Peter Parker as two Ultimate Spider-Man both fought the Green Goblin again, who everybody thought was dead. So this book's like, they're throwing some crazy-ass twists and turns into it. It's going to be fun to find out who or what that Peter Parker is. Um, Jason Copeland, my buddy from Kill All Monsters, pop issue number two, a spectacular idea of where pop stars come from and basically how they're made. So that's been a fun one. Uh, it's issue two. There's three and four coming left of a four-issue miniseries. And then the best thing happening right now 
Edge of the Spider-Verse. They're getting ready to do a storyline. There's people that hunt and kill Spider-Men across the multiverses. And during the time that Superior Spider-Man Doc Ock was missing in uh, the future 2099, he put together a team to fight these guys. And so you have all the Edge of the Spider-Verse books introducing all the different alternate universe Spider-Men, oh, cool. which, of course, led to Edge of the Spider-Verse number two, Gwen Stacy. The world where Gwen Stacy was bit, and you actually find out in this issue, Peter Parker became the lizard in this world. Ooh. This was the best book probably of the last month that I've read just for crazy original concepts. And the fucking designer for outfit is the coolest thing ever. It's a mix of uh, white and purple, and the purple has blue webbing on it. So there's almost no line work on the costume. It's all color holds so that there's no black line work. Everything's done with just the color on top of the other colors. Fucking crazy-ass story. She's in a band called the Mary Janes with Mary Jane. Like, it's it's an amazing alternate world. I can't wait to see her throughout the rest of the, the Spider-Verse stuff. I'm really hoping that they do some fun stuff with that character. And, yeah, the, the Spider-Verse stuff looks like it's going to be fun. They basically revealed that Morlun, uh, the guy who is the hunter and killer of the spider totems that they had before back in the J. Michael Straczynski days, has an entire family and that whole family hunts, kills, and feeds off of spider totems. Cool. So these people have been going dimension to dimension, killing and eating Spider-Men, basically. And so Doc Ock's putting a team together to try to figure out a way to take them all down. Snacky snacks. Yeah. Since, since Naki can't say farewell because her internet's all jacked up, she's saying that uh, her boyfriend wants Infinity. He's talking about it. He's going to go get it, but he <laughs> says no. So he means yes. But he means yes. <laughs> the infinity is spreading. It's like a cancer. Really what it is, is Naki's too choked up about the bears that are coming ass whooping to come and say anything. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> it just won't stop people. It just keeps kicking her while she's down. It's and awful. Bachman's getting ready for his ass whooping in fantasy football today. And that's bound to happen the one week that Denver doesn't play. Fantasy football doesn't count in the Super Bowl. And other than the Super Bowl, we're fucking amazing. The Nova Corps is going to lose to the Vinegar Strokes. More than likely. My my bucket head's going to get kicked in, and I will be 1-3, and three, and I will drop back down to the lowest. I'll be sixth place in our weak-ass six-man league. That's when you guys start making deals. I'm willing to make deals. Make deals to not get the Sacco. <laughs> yeah, you don't want Sacco punishment. No. But I think that is going to wrap us up for this week because we have gone a little over on time as we've been doing more often than not lately. So, because we're awesome. Yeah, we're, we're fairly awesome. That's all I can really say. Um, what was I going to say? So, like I said, we're wrapping up. So, adios, folks. And don't forget, we'll be back next Sunday live at 11 a.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Central, yada, 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 at live.atgnpodcast.com. Naki will not be here. So, uh, if you want to come and join us, let us let Anthony or I know on the Twitters or the Facebooks. Or anything like that. And we'll get you on the show. And you can be robot our replacement, voice. Naki. We need more robot voice. Oh, wait, hey, you got a robot voice. Naki's back. Just in time for us to go. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, we're Rob- leaving. Robot voices. Yeah, so on behalf of Robot Voice, Anthony and myself, thanks for watching All Things Good and Nerdy this week. And we'll see you next week. Bye, guys. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to this brand new episode of All Things Good and Nerdy on the Gunna Geek Podcast Network. 
You can find ATGN in a variety of places. Some of those include our website at atgnpodcast.com or on certain apps like Stitcher Radio. In fact, we're even on Gunna Geek's main website at gunnageek.com slash network where you can find all things good and nerdy and all of the other shows that are part of the Gunna Geek network family. If you want to get in touch with the show directly, don't forget you can use any of the social media methods like Facebook at facebook.com slash allthingsgoodnerdy or Twitter at ATGN Podcast. That's not your cup of tea for getting in touch with us. Don't forget about the ATGN hotline at 304-806-ATGN. We check it each week, so leave us a message and we'll get back to you and put it on the show. That's going to wrap up another episode of All Things Good and Nerdy. Join the Adahe, Naki, and myself next week for an all-new live show at 11 a.m. Eastern Time at live.atgnpodcast.com. The music you've heard for both the intro and outro of this show were found on SoundCloud.com and are used in accordance with the Creative Commons licenses. Leaving Earth by Abandon All Hope is used as the outro of this show, and The Wind Waker by the Neskimos is used as the intro and slightly modified in both cases. To get links directly to these songs, go to atgnpodcast.com and check out the background music section.